Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 through 30. I read this in my devotions this morning. The Lord gave me, I've preached out of this text a number of times, but so glad that the Word of God is new every morning, isn't it? And uh, God gave me something fresh out of this this morning that I want us to look at tonight. I want us to read verse 1 through 30 to get started with, just to see what's going on here. It says, It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, uh, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came, also, uh, came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria, and behold, they be in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared, and set himself to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and in Jerusalem, and the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people, and gavest it to thy seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when, we, when evil come upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now behold the children of Ammon, and Moab, and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say how they reward us to come, up, come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. They... Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeiel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the king, Jeho thou king Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor be dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerul. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head, and his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the, and the Levites of the children of the Korathites, the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. As they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah. And ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, 
so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, uh, and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. And the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay it, uh, to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, every one helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches and with dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled themselves in the valley of Baraka, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of the same place was called the valley of Baraka unto this day. Then they returned every man to Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. And they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God gave him rest round about. Now, this is a very powerful story, amen. And I think I get something out of this every time I read through it. I love this story. But I was reading through this in my morning devotions this morning. And as I read through this, I couldn't help but notice the similarities between the people of God in this text um, and the Christians in America today. What they saw and what we see is a situation that seems beyond impossible, right? In our text, the people of God found themselves surrounded by the enemy and facing the seemingly certain destruction and enslavement of their people. Truly, their situation looked beyond impossible. And so also here for Christians in America, it seems like we are surrounded with no way out but defeat and bondage to the liberal and wicked agenda of the Democrats. I don't say that lightly because they really are on the devil's side. Amen. And the biased leftist news networks have all declared Biden the next president. And they seem to, uh, they, they make it seem that the only option we have left is to wave the white flag and surrender to their enslavement. But just like in this Bible story, folks, the results are not yet final, are they? And the victory has not yet been lost. It just seems to us to be beyond help. And let us listen. We must remember that it is God, praise God, it is God that sets up kings, amen, and then removes them as well. It's not the leftist media. It's not a corrupt government. It is not the wicked people in high places with lots of money and lots of power that get to determine who will or who will not rule. 
No, the Lord God Almighty. Amen. He's still on the throne. Amen. Amen. He reigns supreme and sovereign, and he is the one who determines who will be set up and who will be removed. Amen and amen. And honestly, I can't propose to know what God will do, but I am confident that the powers that be are ordained of God. And so I can be sure that no one will be inaugurated, the next president of our country, unless the Lord so decides that they are to have that position. And listen, folks, although I know that we are not looking for a political movement, we are looking for a spiritual movement, amen, a spiritual revival, a spiritual moving of God. That's really what we're looking for. But I am also very aware that oftentimes when God started to move in the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, we see the evidence of that played out and how he set up kings or even preserved kings in their kingdoms despite great odds that were against them. You read your Old Testament, you watch the testimony of those kings, and you'll see oftentimes how God moved on the scene with a certain king or with a certain kingdom during a certain period of time. And so truly our situation is very similar, I believe, to the one in our text tonight, because they looked like they were already defeated, didn't they? And yet the victory had yet to been finalized and truly God's people at this stage, they're looking out their windows and they're just demoralized and they stood there just watching in disbelief and they were unsure of what to do next. And yet, you know what? The Lord was still working. <laughs> the Lord was still working. Now, I'm not predicting Trump to win. I would not be so foolish to do such a thing. That's in God's hands. But I am just telling you that we are in a situation that is ripe for God to move and for God to show himself strong on the behalf of his people who have been praying. And I'll tell you what, the church has been praying more this year, maybe even than in 2016. The church is ripe to see God move, not just in the church, but in our country as well. And one thing I do find as I compare our situation with this story is that now is not the time to stop praying, Christians. Let me repeat that. Now is not the time to quit praying and say, oh, I guess we didn't get our answer. I'm done. Now is the time to pray even harder than you've ever prayed before. Pray for God to turn the tide. Pray for God to set up a ruler that stands for righteousness. Pray for, for God to protect our religious liberties in this country, amen. And pray for God to awaken our country and grant that spiritual revival that we desperately need. Pray that God would intervene and give us victory. You know what? God knows how to shed light on sin, does he not? In fact, I think you're within your rights to pray according to the scripture and say, oh God, you promised that we'll reap what we sow. Let those cheaters and deceivers and liars reap what they've sown. God, you promised your sin will find you out. Oh God, let their sin find them out. Shed your light on the truth that the truth may be known and the true victor may stand in his place. 
Listen, folks, it may seem beyond impossible, but just remember, our God loves situations that seem like that. God loves to see us in those situations. Because that is when he then can work on the behalf of his people in a great and mighty way. There really is no disputing in those situations. You think about that, if, if all hope is lost, if it seems that you're beyond in, in a situation beyond impossible, but then that situation abruptly changes, you know what, there's really no disputing who did it, was there? It's going to have to just be, praise be to God. God did it. Amen. And you know what? I think that's what God sometimes wants to get from us. I mean, 2016, we prayed, oh, God, have mercy on us. Don't give us Hillary Clinton. And it looked impossible. I mean, according to the numbers, she was blowing Trump out of the water. Yet in mercy, God heard our cries and God answered our prayers, even when it seemed impossible. And I'm telling you, folks, God can do it again. Amen. Don't give up the ship. Don't stop praying. Don't let go. It's time not to quit praying, but to be praying harder. Amen. Amen. Just think for a moment of what God has done in the past. Think about David and Goliath. That evil, wicked giant of that heathen nation. Not a one of us would have volunteered to fight him. And who would have bet on David? They would have looked at little shepherd boy David and said, that is a beyond impossible situation. That young man has absolutely no chance against that huge giant. No chance at all. And yet, what did God do? Listen, when the situation was beyond impossible, the God of David stepped down and performed a miracle, and the giant was slain. Hey, listen, we need a giant to be slain in America today, don't we? May God step down and do it for his glory's sake. Amen. I'm reminded of Daniel in the lion's den. Now, I don't know about you, but throw, being thrown into a den of ravenous lions, I think it would be qualifying as a situation beyond impossible, right? Sure, it didn't seem like any normal person would survive that. And yet, as I threw Daniel into that lion's den, his almighty God stepped down, and he slept with purring kittens that night, not lions. When he was pulled out, those wicked men were thrown in there, and they reaped what they sowed, and they were their bones were broken, and they were torn apart before they even reached the bottom of the den. Wow. Why? Because our God is not just the God of the impossible. He's the God that can do anything, even when it seems like it's past impossible. <laughs> and he sat down and intervened on Daniel's behalf. I think also those three Hebrew men the fiery furnace, their situation seemed beyond impossible. Yes, they went forth by faith, and that's key for us Christians, to go forth by faith. They went forth by faith, trusting their God. Well, God granted, uh, God granted them a mighty deliverance as they did that. Those three Hebrew men then proclaimed as they were facing this fiery furnace. They proclaimed to the king, if God chooses to deliver us, 
so be it. But if not, we're going to just trust and serve God, come what may. That's going to be the attitude of us believers. You know what? We, no matter what impossible type of situ awful situation we may be facing, we've got to say, I believe God can do it. I know God's able, and I'm going to trust God, come what may. My God is able to deliver me, amen and amen, because he's the God of the impossible. Amen. But if he chooses not to, his will be done, because he is my God, and he's the one on the throne, and I'm going to just trust in him, amen. And so listen, folks, we need to just learn through this all to look to the Lord because he is in control. And uh, we need to be looking for him to think, you know what? We don't need to wave that white flag yet. God's on the throne. We don't have the next president yet. God's still at work. Let's keep praying, okay? Don't give up praying. Keep praying and pray harder, amen? And so as we consider this thought tonight, I want us to consider here just six things that I see here that God's people should do when their situation seems beyond impossible. Because I'll tell you what, I believe we're in that situation. The media has already proclaimed Joe Biden the president. The vast uh, majority of the political establishment has done so as well. Uh, but it is not official. The states have not, have not officially... Uh, condone that yet and listen folks God is still on the throne God can bring all this mess to light all this corruption he can bring it to light he is more than able to do that and we need to pray accordingly because God is still supreme and sovereign he still rules on high and he is still very well able to step down and show himself strong on our behalf amen and so tonight let us consider here what God's people should do when their situation seems beyond impossible. First of all, I believe that we need to cry to God. We need to cry to him. Verse 1 through 11 talks about this. It says that it came to pass after that that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, uh, and with them others beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to Basil. And there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in Hazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah. And they came to seek the Lord. And uh, then you move on to verse number six, and it says, um, And he said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou the God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to stand withstand thee? Art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt there and have built thee a sanctuary there for thy name, saying, If when evil come upon us as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then wilt thou hear and help. And now behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned not from them and destroyed them not. 
Behold, I say, how they reward us to come and to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. Now, I think that sometimes when we get to this point, like I've mentioned a couple of times already, we want to just start waving the white flag. It looks impossible already. We want to get out the white flag and say, I'm done. I prayed for it. God didn't give me what I want. I'm done. But that's not what Jehoshaphat did, is it? He didn't wave the, he didn't raise a white flag over that city. When he saw the city surrounded, when he found himself in a situation which seemed beyond impossible, he turned up the heat on his prayer life. Amen. Verse 3 to 4 says he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast, to ask help of the Lord. Then in verse 9, in his prayer life, uh, we find him quoting the promises of God as he seeks his almighty God to intervene and to help in his desperate situation. He also expresses his faith in verse 6 by proclaiming, that none is able to withstand thee. In other words, the situation may be on uh, impossible for us, but you, Lord, can change that in the snap of a finger, in an instant of the time. You can change that, O oh God, if you only will. And so, Lord, I seek your help. And so, Christian, think about that. Don't turn off the burner of prayer, amen. Instead, turn it up, amen. Turn it up on high. For the situation, I believe, is right for God to come on in and move and show himself strong so that no one can deny that God had done it, amen and amen. God loves that. That's when God is just like, hey, this is perfect for me. This is exactly what I was looking for. They know they can't do anything about this now. They know all they can do is look to me. And now it's time for me to move in and show them who their God is. Amen. So don't turn off the prayer burner. Turn it up. Amen. And so first of all, I see here we are to cry to him in such circumstances. But number two, I see we are to confess our helplessness. Look at verse number 12. O oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? Is that not what we want, folks? Wilt thou not judge them? We want a righteous judgment over all the deceit, over all the lying, over all the cheating, over all that corruption and mess that has been going on in our government in America today. That's what we want. O oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Amen. Notice how he acknowledges and confesses here that he in his own strength, in his own ability, is powerless to change anything. You know what? That's where we are right now. You and I, we are very powerless to do anything about what is going on and the powers that reign above us in this country today. And he says, we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. 
You know, the sad truth is that as long as we feel like we are able to handle it ourselves, there is no real reason for God to get involved. Maybe that's part of the reason why sometimes we don't see God move like we really want to see. Because we are so self-sufficient that we don't really believe in our heart of hearts that we need God to do something. I don't know about you, Christian. I think we might believe that we need God to do something right now. Amen? I certainly think we do. But you know what? When we humbly admit, and you know, that classic revival text that says it, that my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves. It's the very first part of that. Yeah. You see, when we, when we will humbly admit, when we will humbly confess that our in our situation, we are helpless and we are hopeless unless God chooses to intervene. Listen, that is when we are right and ready to see God move and work on our behalf. You know, folks, the Bible tells us he desires to show himself strong. He wants to on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. This is his desire. He wants to do this. He's looking to do this. But not on the behalf of those who still view themselves as sufficient to handle the situation themselves. I know we as Americans, we oftentimes think we're so very sufficient, don't we? We trust in ourselves way too much. When well, we need to be trusting in the everlasting God. You know, I was thinking about this. I was reminded of my little child, Anna. Not so little anymore. She's grown up into a beautiful young lady, but... When she was little, I can remember, and I believe it was her, maybe it was Lydia, I'm not sure, but it was one of those two. They had one of these baby toys. You've all seen them, the little, like, octagon-type shaped thing that's got all these different shapes, and you've got to put them in the right slot. And I can remember her trying to stick a square in a triangle, or a square in a circle, or something like that. And boy, she was trying for all she was worth to get that thing in. It would not go in. And I can remember asking her if I could help. No, myself, myself. <laughs> of course, she's, she's a strong little young lady. She's, she's wonderful. But at that time, we were still teaching her and training her. And myself, myself. And so I just sat there and I watched her for a little while. Well, I would have gladly helped her. I was just waiting there. I wanted to help her, you know. But it wasn't until she finally came to the end of herself that she said, Daddy, would you help me? You know what happened when Daddy, Daddy reached down and took that little hand of hers and moved the cube just right and said, right here. And guess what? It fit right in and it worked all out just the way it needed to because she finally said, you know what? I'm not sufficient on my own. I need Daddy's help. You know what, Christian, listen, is it not like that with us? We're like trying to stick, we're trying to stuff a triangle through a square hole, and it just won't fit. And we're saying, myself, myself, and God is just looking down from heaven, and he's waiting to find out when we'll finally cry out to God and say, God, I can't do it myself. see that son I see that you want my help I'm going to now move in your situation listen folks 
We need to, and in such situations, we've got to cry out to him. We've got to confess our helplessness. You know what we also need to do? We need to confess his sovereignty. Look at verse number 15. And he said, hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. And thou, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You notice those words? Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of the great multitude. The battle is not yours, but what? It's God's. Not your battle, it's God's battle. Right there, we see that this man is confessing that the Lord is supreme and the Lord is sovereign. Listen, that he's on the throne and he is in control even of this awful battle that we are in the midst of. Listen, folks, you are very much not in control of what is going on in this world around you, are you? You are very much not in control of what is going on in this country. And you know what the truth is? You are very much not in control of even what is going on in your own life. But there's one in heaven that is in control of all. He rules over all things. And he controls all things. And so you know what? We're a whole lot better when we come to the place where we acknowledge and we confess this. Lord, the battle is not mine, but it is yours, O oh God. And yes, I confess, Lord, that you are still on the throne and you are still in control. And so I am just trusting in you because the battle is not mine, but the battle is yours. And I'm looking to you, O oh God. So Christian, just trust his sovereignty. <laughs> Just trust that he is on the throne and he is in control in such situations as these. So I see here when the situation seems beyond impossible, we're to cry to him. We're to confess our helplessness. We're to confess his sovereignty. Number four, we're to cause ourselves to stand still. Look with me at verse number 17. That's not something we as Americans like to do. But oftentimes it's something that God wants us to do. Verse 17 says, Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. Amen. Oh, I like that. Now, the truth is that we, all of us here, I think this is something we're prone to as Americans. We are a people of action, aren't we? We want to do something to avail, and the truth is we want to do something to avail our situation. But oftentimes the Lord wants us to just set ourselves and to stand still and to watch God work. You see, there really are some battles which you physically can absolutely do nothing about, Christian. Nothing. All you can do is helplessly stand still and look to God. <laughs> and cry out to God for him to intercede on your behalf. And the truth is, it's better this way. 
Because when we can do nothing, absolutely nothing, but just stand still and look to the Lord, guess what? That, that's when the Lord gets all the glory. <laughs> when he steps in and steps down and intercedes on the behalf of his people. So we need not to fight. We need not to fret. We just need to learn to stand still and trust the Lord and look for him to work it all out. Amen. That's the words that God gave to Jehoshaphat here. We're surrounded, God. We don't know what to do, God. The situation seems beyond impossible. Seems as though we're going to be destroyed. We're enslaved by the enemy. And God says, just stand still as you're looking to me. And as you're crying out to me. And just watch what I'm going to do. Listen, is that not what God wants us to do? Listen, don't turn the prayer burner off. Turn it up, amen. Turn it up on high. As high as your prayer burner will go, you get it turned right up, amen. And so we see here, we're to cause ourselves to stand still. We get just two more things tonight. Notice number five. As we see uh, God, God's people, what they ought to do in situations that seem beyond impossible, we're to cry to him, confess our helplessness, confess his sovereignty, cause yourself to stand still. Number five, we are to create an atmosphere of worship and praise. Look at verse 18 to 21. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head. Now keep in mind, this is before they got deliverance. Amen. Now Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord and that, that should pray, uh, praise the beauty of holiness. And they went out before the army to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Boy, I like that. To praise the beauty of his holiness. Now think about this for a second. Even in the midst of their storm, even in the midst of this awful situation that seems beyond impossible, you find the king and the people of God just determined to keep on worshiping their God and to keep on praising their Lord even despite their awful position. Now it would be real easy to mutter, to complain, to be argumentative argumentative about what they were growing through in these circumstances just like the children of Israel did chide the Bible says as they were in the wilderness and they argued and disputed and murmured and complained but you know what that's not what these people did is it instead we find them worshiping God and lifting up their voices in praise of their great and their holy God Despite their situation. Amen. 
So listen, Christian, don't let the situation dominate your prayers. Just stand still and trust the Lord, amen? Trust concerning the battle that it's in God's hands and just worship God, amen? And praise him who is your holy God. And you know what? God loves to operate in this atmosphere of praise and worship. He does. He loves it when his people get to that place. That despite what they're going through, they're just going to worship God. They're going to praise him, and they're just going to honor him, come what may. I mean, I think of the very first thing I think of. You know what? Paul and Silas were in a very similar situation, weren't they? I'm sure their situation seems somewhat beyond impossible. Just beaten, thrown into the innermost, darkest part of the dungeons, locked in the stocks, probably had no idea whether they'd ever get out or not. And what do we find them doing? We find them having a prayer meeting in the dungeon, amen. And they're praying, and they're praising God. And at that moment, God stepped down because God loves. He inhabits the praise of his people, amen. And he just stepped down, and he shook that prison. And the doors opened, and the shackles were loosened. And the jailer and his whole family got saved as well, amen. Praise the Lord. Listen, folks, God loves it that when despite our circumstances, we're just determined, God, I'm going to praise you. God, I'm going to worship you because come what may, and no matter what's going on in our life, you are worthy, Lord. Amen. Amen, amen and amen. We can see that testimony here by Jehoshaphat and the people of God. They hadn't been delivered yet, but they were going to worship him, and they were going to praise him. It was as they were doing this that God stepped down and did something wonderful. We've seen that lastly tonight. So what God's people should do when their situation seems beyond possible, we need to cry to him. We need to confess our helplessness. We need to confess his sovereignty. We need to cause ourselves to stand still. We need to create an atmosphere of worship and praise despite the circumstances. And lastly, we need to celebrate as God turns the tables. Amen. Yeah. Look at verse 22 through 28. Now remember, they just got done worshiping and praise the, praising the Lord, right? And now it says in verse 22, And when they began to sing and to praise, what happened? The Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, uh, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. They were, oh, would to God that the Democrats would be smitten. Amen and amen. <laughs> it says, for the children of Ammon and the Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled themselves in the valley of Baraka. Uh, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of the place was called the Valley of Baraka unto this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. 
And they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets under the house of God. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. So notice now, as these people, they have, they've not been able to do anything. But they have, in obedience to God, they have stood still and they have trusted the Lord as they've cried out to his name. And we find that now they are granted that victory that seemed beyond impossible. That victory that they didn't seem like they would ever be able to attain. And listen, folks, truly, when God's people turn up the heat on their prayer life, uh, listen, when they did that, God stepped in and God turned the tables on those enemies that had surrounded them. God turned the situation completely around before they had trapped God's people. But now, in answer to prayer, the Bible says in verse 22 that the Lord set ambushments, meaning traps, against them, and they were smitten before the people of God. And they were smitten greatly. As verse 27 says, God's people were made to rejoice over their enemies. Listen, folks, truly it will be a day to celebrate when God turns the tables in answer to our prayers as well. Amen. So listen, Christian, now is not the time to quit praying. But now is the time to turn up your praying. Amen. And now certainly, listen, folks, I don't know how God will work all this out. But listen, what I do know is I know that it, it is in times just like these, times just like the circumstance we're in, times just like the circumstance that Jehoshaphat was in, that there's a right situation for God to answer and to answer in a mighty way. Because he loves to work on the behalf of his people. And so all I can say, neither know we what to do, God. But you know what? Our eyes are on thee. And we're going to stand still and look for your moving. We're going to stand still and look for your working in our midst. Not just in the situation we see going on in our country today. Certainly we need God to step in and turn the tide here. Otherwise, this country is going to be gone. We need God to move. But we need God to move in revival as well. We need God to move in an awakening as well. We need God to move in the lives of our lost loved ones as well. The situation may seem beyond impossible, but we need to just stand still and keep crying out to God, uh, looking for him to step down and move in a mighty way in our midst. Let us now close in a word of prayer. Actually, let's stand to our feet. We'll have an altar call tonight. As Miss Pat comes to play, we'll make it quick. The Lord has spoken to your heart tonight. You want to come pray? Maybe you just want to come pray for our country. Well, we desperately need it, folks. I'll tell you what, we're living in perilous times. And truly, it seems like we have many wicked people in high places. And uh, just come and pray. Pray that God will shed light on the truth. Pray that God would defeat those enemies that seemingly have surrounded us. Uh, may God allow us, his people, to stand still and to see the salvation of God. Amen. Would you come pray about it tonight? The Lord spoke into your heart. You come and pray.